Guys, welcome to the I Love Seville Show. I'm Jerry Miller. This is Tuesday afternoon. In fact, it's Tuesday, May 9th, 12.34 p.m. The show live across every social platform. Know to mankind. Doug Wilder, former governor of Virginia, calling for the president of Virginia Commonwealth University to get pink slipped. Legitimately, within the half hour, Douglas Wilder, the former governor of the Commonwealth of Virginia, a press conference calling for the president of VCU to get fired, over $73 million in uh, a secret payment. I'm not so sure this is secret. I just think it's more the media didn't cover it and it came out in a Freedom of Information Act. These details and more on the Tuesday edition of the I Love Seville show. Um, this is not a good look for VCU. VCU um, on the hook for nearly half a billion dollars in commercial rent instead of the half a billion dollars in commercial rent for a building that they did not need over the course of a 25-year lease, they decided to make a payment of $73 million to, be, to back out of an unbuilt downtown building. This is VCU Health to be specific, the VCU Health System. This payment, $73 million, $72.9 million to be exact, to back out of a 25-year lease agreement for a project a building that, was current, that is currently being redeveloped to the tune of $325 million. This payment was uncovered by richmondbizsense.com. Richmond, B-I-Z-S-E-N-S-E.com. Undoubtedly, Richmond BizSense was tipped off by a heavy hitter. They initiated a Freedom of Information Act and on Friday, just a few days ago, they break a news story that is currently, I think, one that should captivate much of the Commonwealth. Richmond, its health system, VCU, its health system, chooses to pay $73 million because it sees the future of a building that's being developed to the tune of $325 million, and it says, our needs have changed since COVID. This building no longer is the footprint that our health system needs. And we would rather pay $73 million than a half a billion dollars roughly in lease payments. Here's where VCU messed up. Judah Wickhauer, two shot, let's bring you in the mix. I see VCU making one mistake. They should have from the beginning said, we're gonna pay the $73 million payment. VCU health system, it's PR department, the president's office, the brass. Yeah. They should have just said, look, guys, the economy's changed. COVID changed the world. Our especially, needs, especially for the medical field. A health system. Our needs are different. We don't need all this square feet. This is too expensive now. Is that the reason they didn't want it anymore? Of course. They didn't need all this stuff. You, okay. You read the article, did you not? I read the first article. I was probably okay. through the second That's article. That's why. <clears throat> if they had just said, we're going to pay the $73 million to get out of a 25-year lease for a space we don't need anymore because it's too expensive, 
they would have caught some grief on the front end. But it would have made sense after we had unpacked it. We would have said on the show, this is what's going on, and, and rotate the lower thirds on screen if you could, please, sir. And we would have said VCU Health CEO Marlon Levy, who said the original project plans were developed before the pandemic. While they were well-intentioned, by late 2021, construction and other challenges made it simply impossible to build the original project. Moving forward today would cause dire long-term financial repercussions for VCU Health. With that in mind, VCU Health was forced to make a difficult but prudent decision to exit the original project. That's all he had to say. Get ahead of the story. Now a Freedom of Information Act. Richmond BizSense, fantastic media outlet. I read it every day. I subscribe to their e-newsletter. I encourage you to do the same. If you like real estate, entrepreneurship in Richmond, that's a platform I would encourage you to consider. The Richmond BizSense and their daily e-newsletter. I get a lot of content for this show from that daily newsletter. They do a Freedom of Information Act. The story breaks on Friday. Douglas Wilder, the former governor of the Commonwealth, reads the story online. Doug Wilder gets pissed off. Doug Wilder makes an announcement this morning on social media. He says he's going to have a press conference at high noon. Doug Wilder at high noon says not only should there be an investigation into malpractice financial, but the president of VCU should get fired. All that because of a PR blunder. Would you have had an issue if the CEO of VCU Health, Marlon Levy, said, world, we're going to pay $73 million to get out of half a billion dollar lease because we don't need this space anymore? Would you have had a problem with that? Probably not. Probably given, not. Given a, a good enough explanation and a deep enough explanation into the choice. Exactly. Why does Doug Wilder have a problem with this? Interestingly, he's a professor at VCU, and interestingly, Doug Wilder has, what, is it a department named after him? Something like that, yeah. VCU, he's a professor, and he's the namesake of the Douglas Wilder School of Government and Public Affairs. So you got a professor at VCU who's the former governor of the Commonwealth. He hosts a press conference at high noon in Richmond, and he says at this press conference behind a podium in a suit and tie with the sun shining on his forehead, his boss, the president, should be fired, and there should be a quick investigation into how VCU pissed away $73 million. That's what he literally just did. All this because of a PR blunder. If VCU had gotten in front of this, we would have said, all right, $73 million is a lot, but it's a lot less than half a billion dollars. No doubt. In a 25-year commitment. That's a marriage. That's the story that'll be on the front page of the Richmond Times Dispatch. <coughs> what jumps out to you about this? That'll be in the Washington Post. That may make the New York Times. Certainly will be in the WAPO. Definitely the RTD. And if Lee Enterprises is smart, that's the newspaper owner of the Daily Progress, the Roanoke Times, and a handful of other publications. Lee Enterprises would put this story on its Lee Enterprise Virginia Wire. Anything you want to highlight, Judah? 
Yeah, this uh, it doesn't all seem that clear to me. Uh, it seems like there were some changes in the plans, and uh, ultimately I don't know that I'm 100% sure about the reasoning behind abandoning this. Uh, he, just, he just told you. What? The CEO literally says it in the article. He says, moving forward today would cause dire long-term financial repercussions. That's a lot of words to say not very much. I mean, I get... What, what I, do you, moving forward today would cause dire long-term financial repercussions. Staying with a 25-year lease would cause financial hurt for VCU Health. VCU health. That's but, what that means. But they started this with the intention of getting into a 25-year lease. But yes, he just said yes, the original no? project plans were developed before the pandemic. They were well-intentioned by late 2021. Construction and other challenges made it simply impossible to build the original project. Yeah. So what does that mean? That means the labor market's changed, the cost of goods market has changed, and the financing market has changed. Labor is short, cost of goods are expensive, and money is expensive. On top of that, he probably doesn't need as much square feet, and he doesn't want to get into a 25-year marriage, chooses to pay $73 million instead of half a billion over 25 years. VCU Health reported operating income and operating loss of $62 million. To put the $73 million payment buyout in perspective, for the first seven months of this fiscal year through January, VCU Health reported an operating loss of $62 million. Yeah, that doesn't have anything to do with the development, though, does it? According to the lease agreement signed with the landlord, VCU Health was on the hook to pay more than half a billion dollars in monthly rent over the course of the 25-year lease. The agreement called for rents to increase annually from roughly $12.8 million the first year to nearly $32 million the final year, with the overall lease totaling more than $617 million. Excuse me. The 25-year lease totaled $617 million. To finance the project, which had been projected to take nearly four years to complete, the landlord in 2021 had secured a $425 million load from UMB Bank. About a dozen legal documents were terminated in February along with the lease agreement as part of the process to wind down the project and unwind the loan. This is a cluster. A cluster. I wonder how people have said, you, you, you read the macro news, you read national, you, you listen to CNBC, you read Wall Street Journal, and you read a lot of, uh, you follow a lot of the journalists on Twitter that, that cover macro finance. They have said commercial is in peril. Commercial is soft and it's in peril. You see Facebook getting out of leases. You see a number of people breaking leases, publicly traded companies, because they don't want this 25-year type of commitment. It literally just happened to VCU at 73 million bucks. 73 million versus 617 million. The only blunder they made was not getting in front of this story like Facebook did. Facebook told all its shareholders this is what we were going to do. It caught egg on the face in a 48-hour news cycle. 24-hour, 48-hour news cycle. It caught grief. And then the news cycle realized Facebook made the prudent decision to get out of it. VCU tried to hide it. That's where they screwed up. Wilder works for the school and is calling out his boss. Irony there. I'm curious. I'm curious. Um... If UVA has is UV, if UVA is tied in any capacity to any kind of crumbling commercial web like this, 
Or is the difference that everything the university does, that it's like completely calling the shots as the owner, is that the difference with UVA? Is UVA completely calling the shots as every, on everything as the owner, as opposed to this situation with VCU Health where they were a tenant? Most likely. I, I'm very curious about that. Because I don't think we should marginalize the VCU endowment and the VCU decision makers and how they go about growing their university. I'm sure they want to grow their university as owners of real estate, just like UVA has. But could the University of Virginia be any kind of, be in, in, in any kind of predicament like this at all? I'm curious. I don't know. Genuinely curious. I'll share two stories in the comment section of my personal Facebook page about this. Anything you want to add before we talk Zy Bryan again? And did you rotate the lower thirds? If you could, that would be great. That's the story, Scott in Virginia Beach, Scott Aaronworth. That will be Commonwealth Y News tomorrow, if not later today. I'm sh I just shared one of the stories on, from Richmond BizSense who broke the news on the comment section of my personal Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Jerry Miller now. Great question, Kevin Yancey, who says, now moving forward, how much is it going to cost to take the enterprise elsewhere? Great cost. Great question, Yancey. Anything you want to add, Wick Howard? No. The project Andre Xavier was a... Um, a project that was going to replace the public safety building in Richmond. 500 North Temp Street. It would have replaced the city's public safety building. Man, Wilder has found himself in some sticky predicaments over the course of his professional and political career. Wilder undoubtedly linked allegedly, I'll use the word allegedly, to one-time media arm candy, Patricia Kluge, John Kluge's uh, trophy better half, Doug Wilder, romantically, allegedly, rumored, linked to Patty Kluge. Bill McChesney, welcome to the broadcast. I want to talk more, if you want to rotate the lower third, to, to what we did yesterday with Zayana Bryant. You set the stage. Why don't I set the stage and then you offer a little more perspective? I'm going to set the stage in about 60 seconds, okay? This is a really messy story. This Zyana Bryant, UVA alum story. But here's the stage. July 17th, 2020. Not even three years removed from August 12th, 2017, one of the most troubling and darkest days in Charlottesville history. On this particular afternoon, July 17th, 2020, a UVA student... Her name was Morgan Bettinger, arrived in her Subaru to downtown Charlottesville. She pulled up while driving. She sees a truck blocking as a barricade, protecting people 
some standing and some sitting in the road in downtown Charlottesville during the day. Morgan Bettinger says out her window to the truck driver, I'm glad you are here or these folks probably would have made some good speed bumps, alleging that someone could have, or alluding that someone could have run them over. That comment from Morgan Benninger, a UVA student at the time, has forever changed her life for the worse. A comment that she made, she says, and investigators back up what she says, she said it to a truck driver without malice, without ill intent, with no nefarious undertones, innuendos, connotations, and denotations. She just made a comment. As Dylan's rule said on Twitter yesterday, is as if you're at a baseball game and you are in the stands and you sit next to me in the stands and you say when a foul ball is hit, Man, I'm glad that guy over there caught that foul ball because you weren't looking and it could have given you a concussion. Same thing. Same type of thing. Yeah. Zion Bryant, the Charlottesville social justice activist, best known for her press conference on Market Street in the park in front of the R.E. Lee statue, where she spoke to the media and said that the statue impacted her quality of life. She overheard this comment, or someone relayed this comment to her. I believe she got on film someone saying that they heard her say it, and she took it as fact, as proof, as whatever. Okay. And, uh, and So a comment heard through the grapevine. And started the mob of people after this woman and not just after the fact i mean like they were surrounding her car apparently they were chasing after her and uh eventually she managed to turn the car around and leave and after the cops got there and what else happened it continued you mean how did what, what else did she do you're talking about uh yes I, the yes doesn't help me. Are you talking about uh, are you talking about Bettinger or Bryant? Bryant. Uh, she basically whipped up the mob after her, and eventually uh, social media utilized her network, her social media influence. She encouraged the university to investigate Bettinger. Mm-hmm. She utilized her sphere of influence to essentially make Benninger's time at UVA an actual hell. An investigation was done. The initial investigation said Benninger was culpable. They expelled her, but somehow expelled her, yet she still was able to finish her school, her studies. Expelled Yeah. But then a second investigation was done, and the second one found that Benninger was in the right. Yeah, or at least it corroborated her side of the story. It corroborated her side of the story. I've been thinking for a couple days about this now, and look. I think an investigation may 
should potentially be done on the other side. Are we in a society where you can start claiming or filing or reporting or demanding investigations without the fear of culpability? Even if those investigations and those and those um, calls of accountability are unwarranted. I made the comparison yesterday. If I went into a police station and I filed a police report on a crime that did not get committed because I filed that police report strictly because I didn't like what someone said or what they didn't what they look like or or because I didn't like what they look like, then I would be breaking the law. Because I'm filing a, fo- a phony police report. I can't go into a police station and follow a police, file a police report for personal vendetta. And I can't go into a police station and file a police report because I don't like what someone's appearance looks like. Or that their father was a police officer. Or that the student was white and attending the University of Virginia, driving a Subaru, and having the appearance of privilege. If we're at a time and place in America, and if we're at a time, we're in a time and a place in Virginia, and if we're in a time and a place in Charlottesville and Almaro County, where you can claim and say that people are doing these things to you, make phony claims, meritless claims, and have no backlash against you for these meritless claims, then that's a scary time to live. I mean, I hate to say this, but. You- the way you should have put that is we shouldn't still be living in those times. I hate to uh, – I bringing this up is unpleasant, but Emmett Difficult. Till no, – Especially no, no. since she and You're I had an interaction previously. What? Just say it, man. What happened to Emmett Till was because of false accusation. The fact that we are still living in a time, still living in a time when you can ruin someone's life, thankfully this, you know, this woman is still alive, but the fact that you can ruin someone's life by making false claims against them is the bigger tragedy. Uh, Definitely. I I don't, I, I, is, is it now need to, does it now to be, written in the honor code that false claims are an honor code violation? Possibly. Or are false claims just under the category of lying? Uh, or do we need to now specify, like, do we need to specify legally, like, the attorneys that are watching here, if you utilize your social media following which Zy Bryant did against this UVA student, Morgan Benninger, to make her life, as Morgan Benninger has said, a living hell, is that not a crime? Harassment. Digital harassment? Uh, I mean, I... How about from an honor code standpoint? Is digital harassment now, should it now be included into the honor code? Very possibly, yeah. Are we now in a time where digital harassment, or however we phrase this brand or this term, should be included in the honor code? Because it's, it's, 
Brian seems to be the the Teflon goddess here. The Teflon goddess. Well, I don't know about Teflon. This is coming out after the fact. She's not still at UVA, is she? Yeah. She's still Student. taking classes? Yeah. Well. Seems to be the Teflon goddess here. I mean, maybe we give some time for the university to actually decide whether or not they want to do something. But, yeah. Uh, why do you think Morgan Benninger, why do you think she did not name Brian in the lawsuit? Because ultimately, I think she's uh, ultimately this. Ultimately, the school is in charge of what happens at the school. Brian's a homeowner. I found that out. <laughs> you see the receipts on social media. How I found that out. She's a fourth-year homeowner in the city. Okay. I I understand why. Clearly, UVA is culpable here. In fact, this, I don't think, is a great look for Jim Ryan. Yeah, I think a lot of this is after the fact. Uh, you know, the, the university, you know, did probably what they would have in any case like this by, by sending this to the, uh, um, by allowing... UJC. Uni- yeah, university justice to, to hold sway. Um, and I think Jim Ryan has even stated that uh, he doesn't have... He, what we're asking, what is being asked of him is to, is to do something that's not officially in his power to do. I mean, basically what is being asked of him, if I was putting this in a layman term, was, was to pardon Morgan Benninger. Correct. Folks are asking Jim Ryan, Morgan Benninger's family specifically, they have already asked to clear her, her name. Clear yeah. her academic transcript from this mark. Yeah. From this mark. Where on her transcript, she legitimately has an expulsion on it. Yeah. On her transcript has an expulsion. And if you were to Google this young lady's name, you'd see dozens, pages of Google entries highlighting what Zy Bryan has done not all Zy Bryant, but she led the charge to Morgan Benninger. She was, she was the one that faced her at the uh, There was still court. the... I'm sorry? She was the one that faced Benninger at the, the student court as her accuser. But there was still the UJC, the University Judiciary Committee, the first round that chose to move forward after investigating with charges, with honor charges against her. So there was other, while Zy Bryant was the, the, the driver of this, there were other culprits involved. I'm not sure what you're getting at. I, I, Zy Bryant was led, is she the protagonist or the antagonist here? I mean, it depends on. It depends on which part of the timeline. Depend, no, it depends it, on whose side you're taking. I mean, I would. Well, I'm on the side of the truth. I don't I'm think, on the side of the truth. Okay, so you're saying that she may have looked like the protagonist before? I mean, I, she, That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. She may have looked like the protagonist initially, Zy Bryant, in the early stages of this novella. I don't know that I would see her that way. But she was the protagonist it, 
now she's the antagonist. The antagonist, as she went from protagonist and hero to antagonist villain, she literally, over the course of this novella, went from protagonist to antagonist as she morphed Zy Bryant. I don't know that I ever would have seen her as the protagonist. That's your choice. I disagree. Every story has a protagonist and an antagonist. Initially, at the beginning of the story, Morgan Benninger obviously is the antagonist. So that only leaves one other person to be the protagonist, and it's Zy Bryant. No story can have two antagonists and the narrative be driven. They have to be working against each other, which they were. Do you think Morgan Benninger was the protagonist initially? And Zy Bryant was the antagonist? No. So who do you think? I mean, you're, I, okay. I mean, just go on. I mean, every story has to have a protagonist and antagonist. Okay. So, as, as she's driving the momentum against Benninger, the UJC committee initially that chose to charge her, they investigated, people investigated. Those folks have some culpability here. A little bit, but I don't. Th- I don't know if they if they investigated so deeply that uh, that they would have. Judah, you don't think in a a, a, a UJC committee that's going to expel a student from UVA did an exhaustive investigation? Well, then you why? Think, well, then why have the? Well, then why actually have the trial? Follow-up question to that. That's a great question from you. Follow-up question to that would be, what did the second investigation find that the first one didn't find? It sounds like it was a little more exhaustive. It sounds like, uh, the, like you said, uh, when they decided to actually hold the trial, they obviously talked to enough people, or maybe they had already heard enough uh, hearsay evidence to agree to go ahead with the trial. Then with the trial, I believe it was, uh, uh, Bettinger had, uh, had an attorney. So they gathered yeah, a local what ro- a Republican from Nelson County, interestingly. What evidence they could. Uh, Bryant and whoever else was on her side as the uh, presenting... Um, presenting side of it they gathered their evidence and uh it sounds like uh, neither side was was exhaustive i think i remember reading that uh in the in the probe after the uh after they came to their decision uh the probe that eventually cleared bettinger did a little more digging they actually talked they actually to found the truck and driver talked to the truck driver oh god how they, could they not talk to the truck driver they, the first time? It sounds like they probably talked to all 30 of the witnesses who, who were cited in the, in the trial as having uh, heard or you know, being able to I'll give it. I'll give it this. To your, this. Point, to your point, and he's made a very good point, the second investigation was entirely more exhaustive than the first point. That's the point he's making. That's a very good point. This is um, comments coming in on this. I'm surprised this story is not getting more coverage. And the unfortunate nature of 2023. Where's it going to be covered? What's that? Where's it going to be covered? Locally or regionally. 
What what is that look? That look insinuates no, a lot of I, things. I just mean uh, are the are the the, the social dynamics of this why this story is not getting more coverage? Probably a large part of it. I think somebody said in the comments something uh, fairly um, fairly wise about the uh, come on about the um, people being terrified of of Bryant. Yeah. You, you, you basically have a fourth-year UVA student who has, we have data now that how many um, Twitter followers does she have? You want me to check? I'll check right here. She's locked her account. She's got 11,600 Twitter followers. You basically have empirical data that someone with 11,600 Twitter followers is willing to weaponize her digital following. Is that now a charge that needs to be, or a law, or, or something that needs to be written into the honor code? The weaponizing of digital followings? I mean, that's a tough one. Um, it's a tough one because it's such a fine line of free speech. But yeah. if you utilize 11,600 people on Twitter, with many of them at the University of Virginia, because she's a University of Virginia student, and you start putting messages in front of this large following of hyper-local people, and these messages that you're putting on, these call-to-action messages in front of these people, nearly 12,000 of them that are hyper-local, if the messages you're putting on there are not true, like, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, okay? This is a legitimate question. One of the, one of the, one of the uh, issues with, with folks storming the Capitol, right, was, was did, did Trump tell these Looney Tunes to storm the Capitol, right? Isn't that what, everyone, what we always wonder, right? Yeah, I think that's one of the big, uh, the big things that people allege about the situation. P- one of the big things people allege is, Trump utilized his socials or messaging power to inform radical followers to storm the Capitol. And if Trump, if we find that he did, a lot of folks feel like he did, a lot of data out there suggesting that he did, you would say that's a crime, right? Incitement to something or other, yeah, I guess. I mean, I don't, I don't know that I would call it a crime, but uh, <coughs> you're right. Maybe it should be. I mean, If you utilize your socials to incite a large amount of people to do something based on a call to action message that's not true or based on fake news, should that be a crime? I would go one further and say, should it be a crime whether it's true or not? Should it be a crime whether it's true or not? Uh, Linnell says the story is getting coverage in the New York Post and the Daily Mail. I did see that as well, Linnell. There was also, Linnell, a story in the Daily Progress about this. I was shocked to see the Daily Progress cover this. I mean, news is news. uh, Not true. Not true. News is news, but various news agencies choose what news to report. That's true, but once it starts getting out far enough and wide enough, certain news agencies may decide to change their mind because they look like idiots not covering something that's being covered across the country. 
You also made the comment earlier in the, in the show, though, that news agencies are fearful now to cover this story because of social dynamics within this story, meaning the key I don't know that I said play- that about news agencies. I said people were terrified of her. I don't know about news agencies. Hmm. Why are we talking about it? Why are we talking about it? Because it's a travesty. Exactly. Because it's an effing travesty. That's why we should be talking about it. Because it's a travesty. Because going after someone... Bill McChesney, so what happens if she calls you out as a racist because you brought this up, Jerry? If, If folks remember... We're not hesitant to talk about anything on the show. And me bringing this up is not about... It's not about race. It's not about race. It's about doing the right thing. Someone took a story, manipulated the facts of it, and used it for their personal gain to earn clout and influence. That's what happened. They manipulated a story for personal gain to earn clout and influence and to potentially further a a vendetta based strictly on appearance and no human connection. What would the vendetta be besides appearance? She didn't know her. Brian didn't know her. I it, I mean, I, th- I think that's going a little. A lo- I think a lot of that is going a little too far. You I had a white girl in a Subaru that approached a protest. Yeah, well, I don't. That think, looked privileged. I don't think she was singled out just because she was white. I don't think she was singled out just because her her father or stepfather was. Jump in. A Let cop. me jump in here, and I and and I I should interrupt on this. If the young lady who showed up in the Subaru. At the protest, if she was a young lady of color, I would bet you the story would not have been manipulated. Because the narrative does not justify the manipulation. Okay. You disagree? I mean, it's, a, it's a, an interesting what It's if. a hypothetical, I'm asking you. If the young lady who showed up in the Subaru and had the conversation with the truck driver that was barricading the protesters at the Black Women Matter protest. If the young lady who showed up in the protest and had the conversation with the, with the truck driver, if she was a young lady of color, would this be a story, or would it have been manipulated? You keep saying manipulated. I, I don't think it would have... I, I don't know that... You don't think Brian manipulated gone- this story? I think she made a series of uh, assumptions and kept making further steps based on those assumptions. Isn't that what manipulation is? Manipulation implies that she knew exactly what she was doing and that uh, she... You don't think that... Okay, you don't think Bryant knew exactly what she was doing here? I'm not convinced, no. Wow. Viewers and listeners... That's a hell of a benefit of the doubt. Maybe at some point she did. I, I honestly don't know. We're, you know. I understand. It's impossible to know for certain. Yeah. Uh, but that's a benefit of the doubt you're giving right there. That's what I wouldn't give. Ultimately, I think she started off on a false assumption and 
believed that false assumption, and every step after that was based off of that false assumption. Does that make it right or good? I th- still think it's despicable what she what she did in pursuing uh, Bettinger and continually attempting to ruin her life. I think uh, I think anybody doing something like this, anybody weaponizing their their uh, social media contacts, anyone They're weaponizing following. their following, anyone weaponizing their uh, their influence, l- lacks empathy, and uh, I mean, there's there's no law against lacking empathy. There's no law in being wrong, but uh, but the doggedness with the doggedness with which this was uh, pursued. Is uh, is just hard to take. This is from uh, Dylan's rule on Twitter. Dylan's rule on Twitter says this story is absolute and total Charlottesville, Virginia activism. Take one fact image and completely decontextualize it and portray it as evil. That is ninety nine percent of Charlottesville social media. Ginny Hu says, I usually agree with Judah, but not this time. <laughs> Bryant has shown time and again that she knows how to use situations to her advantage. Albert Graves agrees and says, there's no doubt she manipulated the situation. Um, I All right. Well, maybe I'm wrong. thousand percent agree with the viewers and listeners here. Uh, McChesney says Bryant was triggered and the avalanche gained speed. Deep Throat says this. Um, I hate when leaders hide behind. It is not within my power. He's talking Jim Ryan. Maybe Mm. he can't remove UJC sanctions, Jim Ryan, but he could certainly put a letter in her file saying, I don't believe she did anything wrong. He could come out in the press and say, I think the UJC got this wrong. Deep Throat says, I'm guessing Jim Ryan is afraid of gaining um, headlines for Her Holiness, the Pope of Woke. Well, (laughs) Deep Throat. Deep Throat also says, you don't become a university president because you demonstrate bravery. Mm. Okay. I don't think Jim Ryan's holding, having this one. You don't think he's what? I don't think Jim Ryan's handling this well. No. I, this is a fair question from someone who's asking for anonymity. Have the University of Virginia and the Charlottesville community enabled Miss Bryant as a poster child to the point where she thinks she's untouchable? Quite possibly. All right, that's the topic. That's the show. I think I, I think she's going to learn something from this. I think here's how I think this is going to play out. I think Morgan Benninger is going to get paid. I think we're going to have no idea how much. I think it's going to be a settle, settlement out of court. Yeah. I think Jim Ryan's not going to mention a damn thing about this ever. 
I think as part of that settlement, Morgan Benninger is probably not going to be able to talk about how much money she got. I hope to God someone's in Morgan Benninger's ear saying to her, hey, not only is the money important, but your reputation online is important because these stories, when they Google your name, could impact your employment for the rest of your life. So you should get a bag of money and hopefully you can get an apology on the record or something on UVA letterhead with a UVA track back link, a UVA URL with some UVA metadata online that shows that you were forgiven or pardoned or you got some good props or you were left in good standing with the University of Virginia. So here's my advice to Morgan Benninger. Get the bag of money and get some kind of statement issued online and in print where metadata can start tracking online for people to start seeing that, hey, you were in the clear. Jim Ryan, say something. The reality, you're not going to say anything. Zyanna Bryant, I hope to God you learn from this. I don't see that happening, but... uh... I hope to God you learn from this. Because more stories like this will erode the community equity that she's built. More stories like this. Her followers will care. More stories like this will crumble the goodwill. Maybe her followers won't, but followers on the second tier, third tier on the periphery, they will care. Yeah. All right. That's the show. Anything you want to add? You did a good job today. Yeah, we haven't done a uh, uh, Yiddish word in a while, so uh, I just want to say, uh, President Ryan, be a mensch. Be a mensch? Give him the, give him the definition of mensch. Be a man. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, do the right thing. I don't think Ryan, you think Ryan's going to say anything? I, I think if enough uh, mensch, simply put, a good person, being called a mensch is a huge compliment. Um, do I think he's going to say anything? I think uh, if there's enough pressure to, he probably will come out and say something. John Blair says this on LinkedIn. Take a look at today's New York Times. Right now there are 90 million square feet of unleashed office space in New York City. 90 million square feet of unleased office space in New York City. And the seems- reality is, he says, while people mo- might not like it, VCU very well may have done the right thing. Yeah. No doubt. VCU, I, I have, VCU did the right thing. They just did it in the wrong way. They did it the wrong way. VCU did the right thing. They did it the wrong, they executed it the wrong way. Issue the press release and say, hey, $73 million we're going to spend it's to, save, save us. to save $617 million. Yeah. Don't hide it. And don't let it come out with Freedom of Information Act. Because then former governors call out current school presidents and say they should get pink slipped. Yeah. And that's what just happened. Virginia, baby. Virginia. For Judah Wickhauer, I'm Jerry Miller. It's the I Love Zeeville Show. So long.